Hey there, welcome to today's episode of Verity Vitamins. In today's episode, I want to get into the last part of the series I've been in in this segment entitled The Hypothetical Game. And just uh, for a little bit of review, the last three weeks we talked about how we have to be careful about the what if question. You know, the enemy is somebody who talks in hypotheticals, but God does not talk that way. God says things like, if you eat the fruit, you'll surely die. But the enemy comes and says, you won't surely die, will you? Did God say? The enemy is the one who comes and says, well, hypothetically, if you were to eat the fruit. <laughs> we're not saying you're actually going to eat it. We're just saying if you were to eat the fruit. We're not, you're not actually going to do it. And see, this is how he talks. He, he makes suggestions. He, he introduces. He works a lot in, in the realm of fantasy. I've noticed this. And, and, you know, God works in the realm of vision. He gives us vision. The Bible said without vision, people perish. But see, the enemy will try to substitute vision for fantasy. And he works a lot in the fantasy realm. And fantasizing about this and fantasizing about that. Now, don't misunderstand me. We have imaginations. It's a gift from God. And it's there's nothing wrong with using our imaginations. But we do want to guard how. We use our imaginations. And the enemy knows the power of the imagination, which is why he tries to use it so much. And so we've been talking about that. In the last three weeks, we talked about fear, the, the, the what if of fear, the hypothetical situation that people create in their minds based on fear. And then we talked about regret. That's a big one. I mean, if, if I had done this, if I had done that, if I had moved here and been with them, if I had married them, if I hadn't have married them, just all these hypotheticals based on regret. And last week we talked about covetousness. And so the last one I wanted to talk about today, uh, I want to talk about contentment. Now, what does that have to do with hypotheticals? Well, I'll explain to you what I mean here in just a moment. But if I was to subtitle today's Verity Vitamins episode, I would call it The Trap of Feeling Trapped. <laughs> the Trap of Feeling Trapped. We're going to talk about contentment today. In Psalm thirty-seven sixteen, it says this, A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. Now, let's think about that for just a moment. A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. Why would that be? A lot of people would immediately respond to that by saying, well, that's true. You know, it's better to be poor and to be you know, godly than to be rich and be wicked. That's true. But that's not really what that verse is saying. It didn't say it's better to be poor. There's other verses that imply that, and there's a truth in that. I mean, if you're saved and don't have any money, you are richer than any person on this earth <laughs> that is lost. I mean, you think about it. I mean, your inheritance, I mean, the difference between an eternity in heaven and an eternity in hell. I mean, you, you, it doesn't get any more drastic than that. And there's a truth in that. But it says the little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. Why would that be? For two reasons. Number one, it's a seed. It's a seed. Jesus said if you have faith as much as a grain of mustard seed, you, you can say to this mountain, be removed, and it would obey you. It's a seed that can be grown and developed into mountain-moving faith. But secondly, 
It's because the blessing is on it. The blessing is on it. It's better to have a little the right way. Now, Jeremiah talks about the curse being on the man who gets riches the wrong way. In Jeremiah 17, it talks about that. He who gets riches and not by right. You can get riches, but if you get it the wrong way, the blessing's not on it. The curse is actually on it. But when you get it the right way, the blessing is on it. And if you only have a little, just like the loaves and fishes that Jesus multiplied to feed the multitude, well, he gave thanks for it, and it was blessed, and it multiplied. See, it's not about the thing that's little staying little. That's all Jesus had was the five loaves and two fish, but he gave thanks for it, and then he blessed it. Do you see that? And it multiplied. See, it's better to have a little that's blessed and that you're thankful for than all the riches that wicked people have that they're not thankful for, they're not enjoying, and that they're up late at night losing sleep, figuring out how to keep what they have or not lose it or get more. Or they're just depressed because they realized it doesn't satisfy them the way they thought it would. And that's what he's talking about here. Let me read this verse to you. In 1 Timothy 6, verse 6, he said, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, let us be therewith content. Now, food and clothing, what does that represent? Well, obviously, just having pants and a shirt and a piece of bread is not going to get you through the day. <laughs> you do need more than that. But I believe this is a representation of your basic needs being met. You having your daily bread to get through the day. Give us this day our daily bread. And he said, let us therewith be content. Now, he did not say, let us therewith be complacent. And we're not supposed to be complacent and without vision. But contentment has to do with being satisfied. And being satisfied has to do with being thankful. And being satisfied and thankful has to do with being blessed. Do you see where I'm going here? And being blessed is where gain comes from, where multiplication comes from. Godliness with contentment is blessed, you could say. Do you see that? And that's what he's talking about here. He said, But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the... Now, he didn't say that money is the root of all evil. He said the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Now, what many people have read when they read this verse is flee from money. <laughs> and that's not what he said. He said flee from covetousness. Uh, Brother Hagen uh, said that the Lord once told him, I'm not opposed to my people being rich. I'm opposed to them being covetous. Do you see that? God's not against you being rich. He's against you being covetous. In other words, he's against you being discontent, unthankful. 
Because if you're not content, if you're not satisfied, if you're not thankful, then that also means that you're not blessed. Because <laughs> the blessing is what makes you satisfied. It what It's what brings peace. And you can have riches, but if it's if you're not satisfied, then you're not blessed. And he's talking about coveting money, coveting riches. Look at this in the Amplified Bible. He said, but those who are not financially ethical and crave to get rich with a compulsive, greedy longing for wealth fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction leading to personal misery. (laughs) Why am I talking about this? In talking about the hypothetical game, what is one of the biggest areas that people create hypotheticals in their mind? Money. Hypothetically, if I were to win the lottery, if only I had this much money, what would I do if I had this much money? And and they wrap their fantasy around what their life would be like if they just had a certain amount of money. You got to watch out about this. Why? Because money is not your source. God is your source for money and for everything that you need. And he doesn't always need to use money to get things to you and to accomplish his plan and his will. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a goal and a vision for a certain amount that you want to believe for, particularly if you've heard from the Lord about that or if you're believing for something that requires that. That's not what we're talking about. But this hypothetical fantasy that people get trapped in of what if I just was a millionaire? What if I just won the lottery? If I only had this much money, oh, I could do all these great things. I could do this and I could do that. And what it is inevitably doing is making you discontent with where you are and what you have. Now, again, we're not talking about having vision. It's good to have vision and believing that God can bring you up to a greater place financially and that that he can bring you to a stronger place and give you more ability. That's not what I'm talking about. He can do that. He will do that. He did that with Abraham. He did that with Isaac. He did that with Jacob. And he'll do that with you too. If you'll believe God, if you'll put your faith on it, if you'll do it the right way, God will prosper you. He will bless you. That's his will. He will do it. But you've got to guard against thinking that money is the answer to all your problems. And so many people create these hypotheticals in their mind. If only I had this much money, if only I, I had all this stuff, then, then I'd be able to do this and this and that. And the problem is that they're acting like the door to more is money. Now, it just came right out of my heart. I didn't write that down. They're acting like the door to more is money. And that's what you got to watch out for. And let, let me explain to you why. Hebrews 13, 5 said, let your conversation or your lifestyle be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So why am I content? Because I know who my source is. And contentment is not the same thing as complacency. Do you see what I'm saying? Now, let me read this to you. Philippians 4 verse 11. Not, Paul said, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned. In whatever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound 
Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Watch this next part. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, Jesus said in John 10, I am the door of the sheep, and I I am the door that the sheep can go in and out and find pasture. Well, what did Psalm 23 say? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Here's what I believe Paul is saying here. He found the door in tight circumstances. He found the door to more in circumstances that felt trapped. You see what we're talking about here? Feeling trapped. That feeling of I'm trapped, I can't escape, I can't get out, and thinking that the door to more, the door to escape is more money. That's the trap you got to watch out because that's what produces that greedy, covetous desire to try and be rich. Do you see what I'm saying? You got to watch out about that. Paul said, I found the door to more. Can I tell you what it is? Christ, Jesus, the anointed one and his anointing. That's the door to pasture. That's how I find pasture when I'm in a tight situation, where I'm in a restricted situation. It kind of reminds me of on Narnia, you know, how, how they're in that house and, you know, they're, they're kind of confined to the house because it's raining outside. But what happened? Lucy found the wardrobe and the wardrobe led into the land of Narnia. That's kind of what I see in my mind. It's like she found a door. She found the door to more. She found an open door to more pasture, to more things, to adventure, all these things. And that's the picture that's being painted here. Paul's not saying that I'm complacent and I'm not expecting to have my needs met. He's just saying, I know where the door is. And the door is not money. Now, Jesus is the door to bringing you up to a better place financially. And Jesus is the one who gives you the power to get wealth. What did Deuteronomy say? You will remember the Lord your God. For it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. But money's not the door. God is the door. Jesus is the door into pasture. And you don't have to feel trapped in any situation as long as you know where the door is. You understand? You don't have to feel restricted. Uh, You can be like Lucy. If you know where the wardrobe is, I'm not restricted. I know where the door is. I know how to find pasture. Amen. Let me, let me say this last thing to you. In 3 John verse 2, it said, Beloved, I, I desire, I pray above all things, that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Well, what is a prosperous soul? A prosperous soul is a content soul. A prosperous soul is a satisfied soul. And a prosperous soul is what leads to health and prosperity in the natural. But what came first? The prosperity or the prosperous soul? In other words, contentment, godliness with contentment or satisfaction is great gain. 